1: Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Red Sox On Deck Prospect Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bob Osgood, and we have a special episode for you tonight. First, introducing my co-host as always, uh, Shelly Verstrait. Shelly, how are you handling your idol Jacob deGrom's loss from Wednesday night?
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, um, as a Jacob deGrom fan, I kind of expected you know the Mets to do Mets-like things and not score any runs, but then I'm like, oh, they're going against, uh, you know, the Red Sox and Nick Pavetta, so it's it's no issue. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it was a really really good game, and Nick Pavetta yeah. was okay, and the offense was okay as well. So very interesting outing this week.
1: For sure, I think it was the perfect outcome. I- Agreed. To someone who always yeah. roots for Degrom, I. I didn't want to see him get lit up, but it was a great series, crisp games, had Eckersley and Remy in the booth, so it was hard to beat that. Um, We also have a guest joining us today that we're very excited about. He writes for Fantrax HQ, appears weekly on the 5 Tool podcast at Fantrax, and also the Toolshed Prospect podcast at Fantrax. Uh, Prospect extraordinaire and fellow New Englander Eric Cross Eric, thanks so much for joining us this week. How's everything going with you? Going pretty good. Thanks for having me. And it's funny you brought up the uh, the the
2: Grom game yesterday because it kind of rem- reminded me of a game I went to oh, about seven, eight, nine years ago now, where it was CC Sabathia going for the Yankees when he was like peak Sabathia, and we had John Lackey during that year. He had like a six something ERA going. So I was like, going to the game, I was like, oh, we are going to get absolutely rocked and get dominated. But then we ended up winning like 10-4 to 4 or something like that. We, we got Sabathia for like six runs in the first three innings. But uh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Shelly, you're you're okay losing, uh, DeGrom losing to the Red Sox. So that's kind of like a silver lining. Favorite team, you know, beating out DeGrom. I think you're okay with that, right? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I I, I, <laughs> I, I, I I totally feel the same way Uh, when I was watching it. I'm like, okay, yeah, everything's going okay. DeGrom's not getting lit up the the Red Sox are keeping it close um and yeah yeah totally agree
1: uh Eric anything I missed uh in that intro or feel free to promote the work that you're doing or any big pieces that you have coming out soon no yeah you pretty much hit it right on the head you know right right for my
2: two podcasts and I got a lot of work coming out soon probably most notable for all of you that play fantasy baseball I got my dynasty rankings uh updated coming out on Monday just um, so obviously a lot of the the fantasy and prospect work over there at Fantrax HQ, and gotta give my, my big shout out here to my co-host on the Fantrax tool shed, Chris Clegg. He and his wife just welcomed in their their baby boy to the world
1: earlier today, so it's gonna give a big shout out to him. Absolutely, Chris, a great guy. It's great to see. Um, all right, thanks. Uh, so first just some maintenance and reminders if you enjoy what we do here please leave us a five star rating and review on whichever platform that you use to listen to the over the monster podcast whether that is the on deck podcast or the over the monster podcast with Matt Collins and Brian Joyner uh, the red seat with Jake Devereaux and Keaton DeRocher or the Precap pod with Shelley and Keaton um, so kind of start with some news and notes the first one is we have minor league games next week for the first time in what about 20 months and with the way that the timelines have been adjusted over the last year or so i was hopeful but not convinced that may 6 would be the date so we started to see some assignments rolling out today we haven't seen the red Sox come in just yet so that's certainly something we'll be reviewing next week but hope you guys are ready to watch some actual competitive minor league action
2: I definitely am. It's been too damn long. You mentioned twenty. I think my last game was right around you know the last week of the regular season for minor league ball, which is always right around, around Labor Day weekend. So it's it's been too damn long. So I am extremely excited. I'm gonna be in the ballpark, probably with my two kids in tow, or at least one of the two. Uh, yeah, very very excited to get back to the into the ballpark.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with Eric. Um, I've been waiting for. Um you know, the Giants, which is the double A team that's closest to me near Richmond, Virginia, to announce their roster because the Giants has a really interesting team. Um, but I just really, really get back to the ballpark. Um, you know, I got that email from M.I.L.B. Um, yeah, I think Last week or something, like, yeah, you know, your MILB TV subscription has been, like, renewed. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, it's actually happening. It's, actually, it's actually happening. And I'm so I'm so excited. It's been way <laughs> too long.
1: I'm with you. Uh, I will be signing up for that in the next week and ready to go as well. Um, so in terms of actual news and notes, um, Jaron Duran has been playing some left field at the alternate site, and according to Alex Cora, he's going to be mostly playing center field, but mixing in a little bit of left field and right field, uh, as he said, to keep getting better and keep the options open. Um, since the start of 2019, he's only played center field um, outside of a few games at the Arizona Fall League, so between A and the alt site and in Puerto Rico, spring training. So, sounds like he's going to be mixing that up. Shelly, do you make anything of that, or um, do you think it's just what Cora says to keep the options open?
0: Um, I think at the beginning of the minor league season, I think it's basically just to keep um, the options open. But knowing that he is already playing left field, even though he had been playing center field before, and just... You know, knowing how Franchi Cordera has really, really struggled, it really makes me very excited and happy to see that he's playing a corner. To so maybe we'll see Durand, um, you know, uh, uh, faster in Boston than I was expecting. Because I was expecting him maybe June, um, early July, something like that. Um, but knowing that he's already kind of sort of shifted over to the corner, um, That makes me really excited because I cannot wait to see Jaron Duran in Boston.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like, you know, there'll be a couple of options in between. And that kind of leads into um, the next piece of news, which is Danny Santana, who's actually going to be starting his rehab assignment. We haven't talked about him in a while um, at Greenville High A. And he was dealing with some health health issues during spring training. His initial opt-out was April 30th. It sounds like that's going to be extended uh, well into May um, due to the delayed start. <clears throat> do you foresee maybe they start with Santana, possibly flip with Cordero, um, and kind of see how that works first? Um, or do you think that these might just kind of happen concurrently, and we might see both of them?
0: Yeah, I... I... I do think that they'll give um, probably Santana a shot uh, because Cordero is just just like so lost over there at left field especially at the plate like he just is unbelievably lost right now so I do think that if Santana looks okay um, during like minor league games and at the alt site um, they'll give him a chance but even if he doesn't look okay then I think Duran will be you know will follow quickly behind him
1: yeah and Eric I know you were going to talk about Duran a little bit later but any thoughts on this on um, Santana or the news of, of Duran playing the corner in the outfield yeah it doesn't surprise me that they've been moving
2: Duran around I think they want to get him up fairly quickly you know, he made it up to you know my neck of the woods double a in 2019 fairly early I think he got called up here in I it was like mid to late May after he just tore up uh, high a but and he didn't look good. Like honestly, he looked overmatched, and um, he was still showing off the good speed. But the contact skill was kind of eroded, and the power wasn't there. But you know, making all those gains that he made at the alt site, especially see with the the power game, with the slightly revamped swing. You know, I am I'm very excited to see Duran come up, and I do think he's up pretty soon. Uh, I say if he's not by the All Star break, I would be shocked. And I don't see. I say Santana will probably get a call up. I. You can totally see that. Uh, he can play multiple positions. You know, a little bit of infield, a little bit of outfield. I don't see that really, you know, him doing much though because he's just not good. Like, I think he's what he is. <laughs> is an, he's an org depth guy at this point. It's a guy you have. Just case you get some injuries. He can fill in for a little bit, or you know, maybe you know, be a backup at a couple of different spots. But it's, it's weird. Like he has one of the weirder careers you know you'll see like, like go to his baseball reference page and he had a pretty solid rookie year with Minnesota way back when and then he was absolutely terrible for the next 6-7 years and then had that 2020 year came out of nowhere in Texas and then back down to mediocrity last year so yeah i i, I don't see him doing much just kind of holding the seat down if they don't think Duran's quite ready yet but yeah getting Duran those two you know you know some looks in the in the corners is great because we you know the really the only one outfielder that's locked in to this lineup right now is Alex Verdugo and you know, Renfro's not doing well Franchi's not doing well so it kind of keeps the options open to get Duran up sooner rather than later and I'm very excited yeah. he's you know one of the top prospects in the system so uh, with that type of game-changing speed that in top of the order upside down the road so very excited for Duran.
1: Yeah and you mentioned 2020 at 28 home runs and 21 steals with a 283 average just two years ago for Santana. So something is there, right? Yeah, it came <laughs> and out hopefully, too. there isn't a whole lot of speed on this team. So if he can bring a, a stolen base threat as a bench bat, um, I could see Santana sticking around just like Marwin Gonzalez has it at all different positions. So, um, and as you mentioned with Cordero, my goodness, 49% strikeout <laughs> rate. I mean, yeah. That just jumps off of the page when you see that. Yeah, like so, like,
2: she- like Shelly said, he just looks lost everywhere. Yeah. Like in the field, at the plate, he cannot hit anything. He couldn't <laughs> hit water if he fell out of a, out of a boat. That old saying. It's like, he and I was excited for Franchi too. You know, coming over you know, via trade um, in the Benintendi deal, I was kind of excited. I'm like, all right, he's got some upside. He he's shown glimpses. He could be something. But yeah, this has not worked out so far.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving along to Mike Schwarin, he was released and signed by the Royals, uh, interesting name from years prior, he was a fifth-round pick in 2016, and he threw 20 and a third innings at the with the Big League Club in 2019, gave up 22 runs, uh, ERA over 9, whip up near 2. So, um, you know, I doubt there are many uh, hot takes on Mike Schwarin, but he's going to uh, jump on with the Royals, and we'll see what happens there. If he can get a new start to his career, um, and then the last item that I have, it's a obligatory weekly Garrett Whitlock update, and uh, he now has thirteen and a third shutout innings with six hits, two walks, and eighteen strikeouts. Um, Wednesday night was brought in uh, after throwing over the weekend against Seattle. Came in against the Mets, one nothing game, really to face the heart of the Mets lineup in the sixth inning and stayed on for the seventh, um, you know, allowed a couple of base runners, but same old with him. 96, um, 82 mile per hour change up. Uh, and I don't know, Shelly, anything to add that we haven't already said on Whitlock?
0: Um, not really. Um, yeah. this, this Whitlock just totally, I, I am just in love with his story. Just everything about him. You know like he was a rule five pick we got him from the yankees and he is just absolutely killing it right now uh, uh my good friend uh, mikey aheado over at pitcher list wrote him up like he did like a going deep piece and now mikey is just like yeah this guy is legit just he did a just with his spin rates and his mirroring 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 with his pitches and just everything that's going on there Yeah, like he's really catching on even outside of just Red Sox fans. So, yeah, I am all here for the Garrett Whitlock experience.
1: Yeah, anything to add, Eric? You think he's the uh, best pitcher since Pedro or what do you think?
2: That's that's obviously a little bit of a stretch. But, uh, yeah, no, Garrett Whitlock has been a very pleasant surprise this year. You know, liked him a bit coming into the season. Thought he was a good get in that Rule 5 draft. And like Shelly mentioned, from the Yankees, makes it that much sweeter. And he kind of stepped into an ideal situation, I think. Because, you know, obviously the Red Sox bullpen isn't just filled with all these all-star relievers, right? And last year was a very subpar bullpen. I'll try to be nice about it. Um, They're just charting out people that not many people had ever, ever heard of like that old Colin McGregor. Like who the bleep is that guy? That's basically, you know, (laughs) Red Sox bullpen in 2020. And so there wasn't really like a lot of guys locked in. You had a couple with like Otto and Matt Barnes and Barnes looked absolutely phenomenal, but he already had a chance to establish himself with this type of start into being a guy that pitches in high leverage innings. And, you know, so far so good. You know, the sinker changeup combo is absolutely filthy. He's missing bats. I think he's, I think he's kind of locking himself into like that seventh inning role, or maybe you know, it's a setup role, getting some holds and stuff, setting up Barnes. And I, I'm very impressed with uh, Whitlock so far. A very
1: great get for Red Sox. Yeah, his, um, he's one third of the way to the all time record for most scoreless innings to start a career. Thirty nine innings. Can anyone guess who has that record? Pitch for the Red Sox in 2016. 2016. I'll be very impressed if
2: anyone gets this. Oh, wait a minute. Was it that guy that had the five-inning
1: no-hitter who I'm blanking on his name? N- uh, DeVern Hansack? Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> him, was it? <laughs> it was not him. It was uh, Brad Ziegler.
2: Ziegler. Yeah. Wow.
1: I would, I I would not have pass. gotten Ziegler. No. I know. I was surprised myself. Um, all right. So moving on, we were going to talk about the MLB draft, a couple of updates. Um, <clears throat> firstly, there was a Baseball America mock. We're going to keep reeling off these mock drafts as they come out weekly. Um, the latest one, their, their third one, had uh, Lighter going first to Pittsburgh. Um, they had Lawler going second uh, to Texas and uh, Mayer going third to Detroit and Kumara Rocker dropping down to four to Boston. Um, So there were kind of some rumors in that article that Detroit was impressed by the mayor workout, um, the prep shortstop, and uh, also some news, as we had mentioned previously, that Rocker's velocity was down a bit. Um, He was sitting 93 to 95 in his latest outing against Mississippi State. He was throwing, or he touched 98. So that kind of brief concern for a couple of starts Um, has waned a bit here, but we're all for. I know Shelly and I are all for seeing Rocker drop to number four. So, Eric, we wanted to kind of get your thoughts on these four candidates and what you think the best-case scenario is for the Red Sox um, in the draft at, at number four. I would be absolutely
2: ecstatic if the Red Sox got Kumar Rocker at four. He would probably be the best pitching prospect we've had in the system since (laughs) Papelbon, <laughs> it's been a yep. while since so we've had a pitching prospect with that much excitement and that much talent. Even even more so than Jay Groom, you know, before all the injuries. So that's obviously best case scenario for me. But will both Texas and Detroit pass? You know, I can see Detroit passing. They already got a lot of good young pitching, and you know, they could use a boost, you know, offensively. So I can see Detroit passing, but Texas. I can see them taking a guy like Rocker, assuming, you know, lighter goes one, which I think is the case, unless something, you know, happens here next month or so, a uh, month or two before the draft. But getting Rocker would be absolutely incredible. Red Sox need Rocker. Like I you know, I think Shelly and I both kinda of said the same thing about this, you know, going back to last year's draft. We were hoping a guy like Mick Abel would fall to the the Red Sox at were we sixteen or seventeen? I forget. Um, and obviously, he did win a couple picks before that to the Phillies, and then you know passing on you know the guys that went after like the Bryce Jarvises of the world, um, the Nick Bitscos. I would love to get an impact arm in this system, and if Rocker falls to four, great. If he doesn't, I don't know if the Red Sox go with an arm because there's not really another arm that's super close to being you know up there. You know, so if they don't yeah. go, you know, if Rocker's you know, gone. I, I assume they'd go with one of the, you know, either Mayer or Law or whoever falls out of the uh, those two. If not, a couple other ways I could see them going. Maybe Henry Davis, catcher out of Louisville, is really having a great season. You know, looks like a potential All-Star caliber catcher down the road. You know, maybe they go, you know, hometown, go Sal Freelick out of uh, outfielder out of Boston College. I don't know if he goes that high though. was always yeah, a skyrocketed. To- yeah, he's had a great year. And, you know, props to uh, buddy Jeff Ponce at Prospects Live. I'm still getting used to not calling him rough lift shits. Um, <laughs> he, he was kind of like on Freelick very early. You now he gets to see a lot of Boston College. Uh, so he was kind of, you know, pumping up Freelick for a while now. Maybe they go, you know, it's always those years, maybe a prep arm jumps up, maybe they, like Jackson Job uh out of you know heritage high heritage hall high school a lot of h's there in oklahoma city um or maybe they go you know Gunnar hoglin ryan hughes a couple you know uh, college arms out of mississippi and wake forest respectively there's a couple ways i could see them going but i would be shocked if they didn't go with one of the three that fall out of you know after the lighter goes one in having um heim bloom you know former tampa bay guy Maybe they go younger. I got to feel Rocker goes to Texas. So I think Lawlor or Mayer is going to be the pick. And both of them could be, you know, special types of talents. They're both very advanced for prep bats, you know, great hit tools and really toolsy projectable frames. So
1: I would be very happy
2: with any of those three if the Red Sox get them at four.
1: Yeah, and I think that we have kind of echoed the same thoughts here. And, you know, even if that takes four or five years, um, you know, if if Bogarts is – 33, 34. Hopefully, he's still here. Uh, who knows about free agency? But, <laughs> right. you know, we said just take the best player. You don't worry about right. position. You'll find a way to fit these guys in, especially shortstops who are prep bats and have so much development time ahead of them. So many things change. Don't worry about the position. Um, so, Shelly, anything that you wanted to add to that?
0: No, not really. I mean, Eric really just knocked it out the park. Um seeing, you know, you know, Rocker just has fall fallen to 4. So basically in like the preseason, Lighter and Rocker have kind of sort of flipped, you know? I I'm totally fine with it. Um yeah. and even like- if we even if you know uh, you know Texas or uh, Detroit uh, take Rocker, I'm totally fine with Henry Davis. Like I've I've kind of come around to, to to Davis and just like his hit tool and everything, and maybe he can still you know stick behind the plate. I'm really excited about that. But just having the fourth pick, I, I, obviously we haven't picked this high, um, and a very, very long time. So it's really nice to just kind of watching all of these mock drafts come out and just being kind of like in the hunt for all of these great players.
2: Unfortunately, I think the last time we picked in the top 10 that I can recall was when we picked seventh and took Trey Ball. No, I... Which which did not work out well.
0: Oh my gosh, Trey Ball. Oh,
2: I I saw him in Portland. uh, It was a few years into his career. Like obviously took him... A long time to even get up double-A level. Yeah. And he just was not good. Like, the velocity wasn't even there. He, he couldn't find the strike zone at all. So, yeah, yeah that was uh, safe to say that was a bad pick.
0: That was a – that was definitely a bad pick. So oh let's, hope, let's hope let's hope,
2: this, let's hope this is a redemption this year <laughs> with this pick.
0: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> all
1: right, so we wanted to move along to kind of – Ask Eric about his top prospects in the Red Sox farm system. You've heard uh, Shelly and myself talk way too much over the last two months, uh, waiting on some game action. Uh, Eric, we figured we'd start by asking you, who are your top five prospects in the Red Sox farm system um, in in order?
2: Yeah, so number one, no surprise here, Tristan Cassis, absolute stud. Uh, I have Jeter Downs two, Jaron Duran three, kind of close there. Tanner Houck is my four, and Gilberto Jimenez is number five. It, it could have gone a few different ways at five. There's not really a clear cut guy, but uh, I do like the projection of Jimenez. The you know the defense and the speed and you know the hit tool is coming along well. With a little bit of power there as well. So uh, I think there's you know he might be the toolsiest player in this system. So I popped him at five.
1: Yeah, and we'll kind of dive into each of these to some extent, but we figured we would give you the floor to talk about your number one prospect, uh, Tristan Cassius. What have you seen from him, um, you know, floor, upside, and do you think there's a chance we see him during the 2021 season? Yeah, I've had a lot of people ask
2: me that, that, you know, if the Red Sox are, you know, in contention, and Dahlbeck is still struggling, which with his you know plate discipline issues is a definite possibility. If they would call up Tristan Cassis if he's performing well in the minors, I think that's a possibility. I wouldn't bet on it, but I don't think we can one hundred percent rule out a Cassus debut if he starts. You know, if he hits well this season, at the earliest, I don't see them bring him up before like August or so. If if it does happen, but man, I am incredibly excited about Casas. I wrote I wrote him up. Uh, back in I think it was this early December so early earlier part of the off season. he's the type of hitter you know I've said it a, a long you know for a long time lefty power is is tough at Fenway right like unless you're Mo Vaughn David Ortiz someone like that it's obviously right. you, know, you, get, you got pesky's pole, and then the wall just shoots out so I think the bullpens are what 380 or 385 something like that so it has a way of taking power, lefty power, and knocking it down a peg. It did that with Ben and and others throughout the years. But I think Casas is one of those types of power hitters that can – it doesn't matter. Like he's got the power to muscle 35 bombs a year out of Fenway. And he is more than just a power hitter. Right, like The hit tool has come along very well. I think he's above average hit tool, probably you know a 270, 280 type of hitter. You know, g- can get on base at a high clip as well. Doesn't have a lot of strikeout issues, so he's, he's a much better pure hitter than Bobby Dahlbeck. I think their power might be comparable, but just in terms of pure hitting ability, it's Tristan Cassis by an absolute mile. So that really excites me, and, and you probably get this. I'm assuming he's going to be at you know, up here in Double A Portland at some point, maybe the start of the season. I'm assuming so. He's going to got up to Single A. 2019, so I'm assuming he starts in Double A. So I'll be seeing a lot of him starting next week, which will be very exciting. But yeah, I think he's going to be you know middle of the order of bats, you know hitting right in the middle with you know Devers and Bogey and JD and Verdugo, just adding more power to this lineup that already has a good amount of power in it. So I'm I'm all, I'm all in. I've not been this all in on the Red Sox prospect in quite some time, probably since Sander Bogarts. Came up up good was that yeah. seven years ago now. Yeah. Um, back in or yeah, back in 2013, so eight years ago. Um, yeah. yeah, I am just During all that World in. Series. Yeah, it's 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 so exciting to get a power hitter like this. Just to, you know you got to plop him right in the middle of your order with the you know the power to even flirt with 40 home runs annually. You know this guy's yeah. gonna be an absolute stud. You don't you don't hear anything bad about Cassis. Everything is positive that you hear coming out of you know Alt site and wherever it may be. So yeah, definitely very excited. Look at yeah, and
1: and you mentioned the difficulty of a left-handed hitter at Fenway, but he just seems like such a smart hitter. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure we'll watch what it took a few years for David Ortiz to do, which is go to left field with power and use that wall to his advantage. And, um, you know, for such a big guy, he has such a smooth swing and keeps it simple even when he's behind in the count, uses all field. So uh totally agree. I don't think that it will be much of a downside at all being a lefty at at Fenway he has that kind of power um Shelley anything that you wanted to add here on on Cassius that we haven't already discussed ad nauseum
0: um not really um (laughs) other than um I totally agree like this is like one of like the better hitting prospects that we've actually had like an all-around hitting prospect from a hitting power everything standpoint. You know, he's just like one of those guys that's just really gonna stick with the team for a very long time, and you're just gonna love to see at the plate like a like a you know a Freddie Freeman, Joey Votto type of first baseman where you just set it and forget it. You're just gonna enjoy this type of absolute talent. I am so excited to watch Casas this year.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the, and the next one was. Um was jaron duran that we wanted to discuss i know you said you said that you have jeter downs two jaron duran three i was saying last week you know the more film that we see and the more news that we get from whether it's puerto rico or the alternate site and especially excited to see kind of how things work out a week from now Uh, I assume, at AAA, um, that I'd be willing to put him at number two. Um, I might be crazy. I was looking at Baseball America's latest rankings. He's at 97 in their top 100, and they still put a 45-grade power and a 70-grade run grade on Duran. I feel like those might meet in the middle a little bit um, with the power that he's starting to show. But uh, what do you think, Eric? Do you have those two pretty close? and what have you seen from Duran, and um, what is what is kind of your expectation there? Yeah, they're very close for me,
2: and you know, over the last year, that gap between Downs and Duran has really, really closed, because, like you mentioned, all the positives you hear from Duran, which there have been positives coming out weekly of Duran last year, this year, and spring looks very good. So, yeah, it is very close between the two of them. I think all three, you know, including Cassis, Uh, our our top 100 guys overall in baseball. So, um, yeah, very excited. And, you know, what I saw with Duran, even though he didn't have the greatest showing, I still saw, like, you know, the tools to be a high-impact player at the major league level. You mentioned the the run grade. And, yeah, right now I I do think he's, you know, pushing double-plus run. And maybe, you know, he does kind of slow down a little bit. But even so, like, worst case scenario, he's a plus runner, 25-30 steal potential there. You know, not the greatest center fielder, but solid enough. Like, he's a decent. I wouldn't say he's going to have any gold gloves in his future, but, you know, moved very well. You know, he's a very athletic guy, obviously. You know, his reads were fine. Um, Didn't really stand out, but didn't lack anywhere either. Doesn't have a great arm, but, you know, neither did Jacoby Ellsbury's. You know, not everybody can be Jackie Bradley Jr. combining great range with a cannon for an arm. You know, I think we've we've kind of been spoiled with our center fielders over the last 10, 15 years for the most part. But yeah, I think I think he'll play a adequate center. You know, good range. Um, so that'll be that's very exciting. And if that power sticks, and it looks like all indications are that that, that power gain is for real. You know, I, I kind of you know when he heard the reports last year out of the alt site, and you know we all saw the the videos coming out on, on Twitter, YouTube, wherever it may be. I'm like, all right, that's great to hear. Love seeing it. Now, let's see if it sticks in games. It did this spring, you know, and I think if that power is here to stay and he's more of a, you know, 15, you know, teens homer, like a 15, 16, 17 Homer guy as opposed to a more of a 8 to 10 like he kind of projected to be originally, I think that could push him ahead of downs, uh, especially when you add in the defense and center, which is always very valuable. Uh, so, yeah, for real-life purposes, I think, yeah, there's a good chance three and could be you know, could vault ahead of Downs here uh, this season, but I'm, I'm excited for all three. I mean, I'm a big Jeter Downs guy. I think he his type of profile is gonna fit very well at Fenway. Yeah. I think he's gonna be a, a guy that people love. He's gonna be you know a little bit of hit, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, pepper and the monster, and he's got a kind of a, a pull happy way uh, in his profile. So I think all I think Red Sox fans are gonna be very very happy with all three of these guys within the next few years.
1: Yeah, and it easily could be that there's just been more news about Duran, so there's right. a little more he- helium behind that. Um, you know, we'll we'll get to see a lot more video, real games of, of down soon. So I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but I've, uh, I'm on board fully with everything you said there. Um, you did have Tanner How, and I think you know those three are kind of a tier, and then you had Tanner How in your top five. Um, what were kind of your thoughts on his early season outings compared to the scouting reports and the and the book on Hauk? Um, you know, along with his late twenty twenty outings as well. We got a, a short look at him last year. Um, you know, what do you, what have you seen this year, and kind of what roles do you anticipate that Hauk might might fill in the long term?
0: Yeah, Hauk
2: kind of has been reminding me a lot of the Hauk I saw back in twenty nineteen in Double A. Not a lot has changed. Oh, you know, there has been minor changes here and there. He's, you know, throwing the slider even more this year, and that slider is, is filthy. That slider was filthy back then. It's still filthy now. It's easily a plus pitch. Gets a lot of whiffs with it. Um, Fifty-three point six percent whiff rate this year. Very, very good. But you know, I don't like pitchers that don't have like a viable third pitch. And yeah, you could say, y'all, oh, he throws the four seamer and the sinker. That's great. But I would love to see, you know, the split finger he uses. You know, I would love to see some development there or maybe develop a change-up. You know, he's got a, there's a lot of good change-ups on the staff, so hopefully someone can teach this guy a change-up just to give, you know, a, another off look to, to lefties too because he's more, you know, you only have to gear up for the two pitches. It's kind of easier to figure him out. And while those two pitches are very good, he, he's got the velocity averaging around 95 miles an hour, but both his fastball and the sinker have been hit pretty hard this year, for the most part. Two eighty-six batting average against so on the four-seamer, five hundred on the sinker. Yeah, it's early, small sample size. But I, I'm still like I like what I've seen and the the talent's there. The Talent is very apparent, but I think there needs to be some tinkering, right? And, and the with more so with the changeup or a split change, whatever he wants to do. I love to see some development there and overall just his command and control in general has always been kind of fringe average at best probably below average you know i haven't seen that really take any steps forward over the last few years he always walked a, you know, a lot of batters in the minor leagues over 10% you know that's kind of sticking in the major leagues as well so I do think there's a potential for a mid-rotation arm here. Best case scenario of, you know, some of these things that I mentioned, you know, improve, you know, especially the command and control. If not, you know, maybe they go the Papelbon route, move him to the bullpen. You know, that fastball-slider combination could be lethal in, in the bullpen. And, you know, maybe he's a closer long-term. I think there's definitely that possibility as well with the pitch, the pitch mix that he has. So a lot of, kind of a lot of ways they could go. With Tanner Houck, yeah. uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how you know the next c- couple of years will be very huge for him in his development. Um, he's got a lot. So he's got a lot of good arms around him, you know, a lot of good people in this organization to get him on the right track. So I, I, I'm pretty, um, I, I'm pretty high on him. I think they're going to find a good role for him. Just what that is, I think that's still kind of up in the air right now.
1: Yeah, and it's funny you say that about a closer because I could definitely see that, um, you know, and not in his current state. But if he can keep the command and control in check um, and be able to locate those two really good pitches, um, if he cannot end up developing a third, I could easily see that two or three years down the road. Um, Shelly, what do you think? I, I feel like that might be why he is. I mean, he's clearly one of the what, 13, 14 best pitchers um he's been sent down at this point probably working on a third pitch um what do you think that's what they're trying to accomplish right now
0: yeah and i mean it's like also it's like like eric said like there were so many different avenues uh to where his major league career could go cuz i do think that he's a major leaguer whether it's you know a back end starter um you know a um you know end of of the game um uh, reliever just there's so many different ways because there are so many different ways where his like pitch mix can go can he add that third pitch is he just going to just really rely on that you know that that slider um in the back of the bullpen there's so many different avenues uh to where it can go um i i mean i still kind of believe that he's just going to be a, a you know, a lights-out reliever in the end um, just because of what I've seen in the minor leagues and what I've seen so far. Because, I mean, I don't think that we've seen him, like, face a team, you know, uh, twice, you know, in the same season. So, you know, it's just I'd kind like of like like to a, see him
1: throw in Yankee Stadium.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I, 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 I just... I don't know. Uh, but I do know that he is a major leaguer I just don't know which type of role so I definitely agree with Eric there's a lot of different avenues for um for him to go
1: all right perfect um I did want to talk about um a couple other names Eric we wanted to get your opinion on one of them is uh, Brainerd Bonacci who we've talked about in a couple different episodes here and I remember reading uh kind of seeing you the highest you had him up near your top 10 a year ago when you did your rankings um which you know you were kind of the first that i saw having him that high and he's really shot up a lot of boards into the top 20 top 15 this year um what do you see with bonacci and kind of you know long-term ceiling i know that there's a lot of development still a young kid um but kind of why why do you have him that high and and even did last year
2: well, first off, it, it helps that the Red Sox system isn't great. Like he, I don't think he he would have been super high, like you plop him in Tampa Bay. I don't think he's even would be in my top 25 or 30 for the most part. But, you know, with, with that being said, this is a lot to like about Bonacci, a lot of projection. And first off, the name Brainerd Bonacci is just an 80-grade name. Like oh, yeah. it's, it sounds, like, cool. It sounds fancy. It's just a great name, Brainerd Bonacci. Um, so I want, to, I want to see him succeed just so I can hear that name, you know, said as much as possible down the road. Yeah. Hopefully he um, and uh, Thaddeus Ward are up together. I know, right? There's, there's a lot of good names in this system. Uh, Jason Rosario and Connor Siebold. There's a lot of good yeah. names yep. uh, in, in this system. Um, but yeah, Bonacci there's not really anything that sticks out about him. Like There's not like really that standout tool. He has a great arm. That's probably his best tool. At least a plus arm. But He just does a little bit of everything well. You know, He's a smaller guy. He's listed at 5'10" buck 40 um looks like he has added some little bit of weight from what i've seen in some videos but that, that's that's kind of remains to be seen where he kind of checks in that this year but there's some growing power here and plenty of projection on that frame you know he's five ten, so he still got some projection left there i think he could get maybe up to fringe average power at least be like a double-digit homer guy uh, hit tool is probably his best offensive tool grades above average he's a switch hitter a lot of good bat speed, smooth swings, contact skills are very good, can use the entire field, um, really good barrel control there. But, you know, it still kind of remains to be seen. We haven't really seen him a lot in game action yet because, you know, obviously he was a 2018 international free agent and only really had 2019 uh, to get any work in before getting shut down in 2020, unfortunately. So I, I think he could be one where, you know, if he... If he Starts off hot this year and continues kind of showing the tools that you know have kind of already gotten him rising up a lot of rankings. I think he could really, really shoot up and do a lot of top tens this year. You know, and who knows where he ends up long term? Obviously, he's so far away. You don't really worry about that now. Um, you know, shortstop, second base, you know, maybe moving the outfield. We'll see. Um, but, you know, he's a good athlete, you know, he doesn't have a great run tool, and he's probably around an average runner, maybe slightly above average, um, but he's, he's a good athlete, moves well, so I think he could make that transition to the outfield if that's, that's if that's the way they want to go with him, but, you know, this' just a lot of projection here, um, one of the more projectable guys in this system, so, uh, it's, it's easy to get excited about a guy like Bonacci in the system that doesn't really have a lot of
1: these projectable guys, so. He's he's one that I'm really intrigued to see this year in game action. Yep, absolutely. 18 years old, and this will be kind of our our first good look at him. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that he weighs more than 140 at this point, which is the last <laughs> number that we had on that. But you know, you basically got a high school age kid, so <laughs> that's to be expected. Um, and then kind of the, the the next one that we want to talk about was Noah Song, and a couple weeks back we talked about Song. We told the backstory there that he is uh with the navy right now fulfilling a commitment to the country um but we also mentioned that he throws 99 miles an hour and with a, a good slider and changeup, and and pitched for team usa um in 2019 as well so uh anything you know what have you seen with song uh you know on on the field to 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 get some excitement, and do you have any expectations of him? We've kind of talked about him as the widest range outcome of anybody in the system.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I think, you know, I've said this more than one time, he could be the best pitching prospect to come out of this current Red Sox system. You know, that's not really <laughs> too much of a stretch because there's not really any, you know, locked in guys that you're like, oh, that guy's going to be great right. in terms of pitch and pit- pitching prospects at least. But, yeah, really, really impressed. You know, I was hoping to get down to see him in 2019 and almost did. in one of his starts for Lowell, but couldn't make it work. I was heading up to Manchester, New Hampshire for a game later that night, and the timing just didn't work out great. But from what I've seen in, in videos and watching some minor league games, he is, like you mentioned, he's at the three above average to plus pitches. Pretty solid, committed control, you know, pounds the strike zone. Doesn't really get beat by, you know, be- allowing a lot of free passes, doesn't get himself behind in too many counts, really attacks the zone, and I love guys that just attack, 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 um, those are the guys I really like to see, and love watching those types of guys pitch, and he, he showed all that in, in 2019, you know, after the draft, and he was a great, you know, fourth-round pick, I think he was an absolute steal in the fourth round, so I think he has, you know, obviously, it's hard to say right now, obviously, because He's got the you know commitment to the Navy, like you mentioned. Won't even be back until, I think, next year. I think when he's eligible to come back. So at that point, I think he'll be 25. So a little bit of an older prospect, but definitely one that could, I think, make the transition back and kind of get to the major leagues pretty quickly. He was a very advanced arm you know, prior to going back to the Navy. So I don't think it will take a, a long time to – Kind of get back in the swing of things and probably start him out in like double A or something like that. But yeah, very, very exciting overall profile. I think he maybe has the best all around arsenal in this entire org. Uh, better than Grooms, better than Houks, better than Thad Ward's, you know, all the, B- Brian Mata. Uh, I think, like I said, I think there's a chance Song does end up as the best pitching prospect come out of the system. Whether that's more like a number four or number three guy at best, I don't think he's got like frontline potential. But definitely a lot of things to like with Noah's song so i'm intrigued to see him back in the system next year
1: yeah i agree with everything you said there i i think that it'll be interesting to see uh if and when he comes back um if kind of what the his stamina is if he how many years he might need to work that back up to be a starter or if they just go directly to the relief route um yeah. Shelly, anything that you wanted to add about uh, Song or Bonacci, which ooh, I know we've, we've talked about them them plenty, but any thoughts on what Eric said?
0: Uh, no, other than um, I totally agree. Um, Bonacci was kind of like my guy um, for the um, um, Over the Monster Roundtable. Like, who was the guy outside of the Community Top 20 um, that should have been in the top 20. And for me, it was definitely Brandon Bernacci. I'm very excited to see him. And kind of, you know, I looked at, you know, the Sox prospects kind of like projected like rosters and Bernacci is projected to be right below... Uh, low A, and I do think that he's going to get promoted so that he's going to be kind of sort of in my realm of getting to games near, you know, Salem, Virginia. So that really makes me excited. <laughs> um, so I might be able to see this guy. Um, and then, yeah, with Noah Song, he has all of the talent in the world. Uh, just seeing him in and, and college and Team USA and just everything that he did, I'm so excited. It's just like... It, is he pitching? When are we going to see him pitching? Like, he is definitely the absolute hardest prospect to rank, whether it's Red Sox, whether it's just any team whatsoever. He is the absolute hardest prospect to rank.
1: Yep. I'm with you there. Um, and kind of the last question that we wanted to ask you Eric and you Shelley as well uh you know deep sleepers to watch and you can name one or as many as you want to but outside of the top 20 um we haven't seen any of these players play in most of them 20 months so uh who do you think might be off the radar a little bit and uh that you think could jump up into the top 20 next year um starting with you Eric
2: yeah, this was, is this was a harder one to, to figure out. There's a couple guys I looked at, but you know, cause as we were talking about before we came on the air, this isn't a really deep system. kind of thins up pretty quickly. But one that intrigues me that's outside of most top 20s uh, is Nick Decker, an outfielder, second-round pick back in 2018. He was a prep bat back then. And when you're looking at these deep sleepers, you know, guys outside the top 20 like you mentioned, you really got to look at the specific tools that they have and really kind of find some guys that stand out in a couple different areas. And that's what Nick Decker does. He has a good arm, you know, close to a plus arm, and he's got plus power. He's kind of fits that corner outfielder, strong arm, power hitting mold. But, you know, unfortunately with him and the reason why he's ranked pretty low is that the hit tool has, hasn't been there? He's really struggled against left handers. He can mash. Like when he connects the ball, like th- that sound is there with Nick Decker. He absolutely cranks the ball, power to all fields. You know, I think he's another guy that could hit, you know, 25, 30 home runs over a full season, but will he ever hit enough to kind of fully capitalize on that power? That remains to be seen. And so he's another one I'm going to be really, really intrigued by. And see if, you know, over the last year and a half, if that hit tool, you know, if he's made any, you know, changes to the approach and chasing less and how the hit tool looks this year, especially against lefties more so. Like righties he handles okay, not great, but lefties he's really struggled. So right now he kind of projects as a platoon, you know, outfielder, best case scenario. But I think if he fixes the hit tool and figures out lefties at least to some degree. I think maybe he turns into a, a kind of a low-level starting outfielder. So um, that's really all you can ask for from these guys that are deep, deeper in the system. But, yeah, that that power is really, really intriguing if he,
1: if he figures the hit too low. I like it. Shelly, what do you think? Any, uh, any one lower in the system that you'd want to talk about outside the top 20?
0: I love how Eric... Uh, went to Nick Decker. I've been a Nick Decker fan for a while, and I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know that he has trouble with lefties. But man, I absolutely love Nick Decker. So, yeah, you you kind of took my pick. Um, but uh, I don't know. I also like um, Chris Murphy and Ryan Zephyrjohn. Um, I don't really no. know who to rank higher between the two. And I think I need to see like one more season from both of them murphy's the left hander zephyr john's the right hander what are we going to get there are we actually going to get like a starter we going to get a reliever i don't know but this year i'm really excited to watch murphy and zephyr john kind of go back and forth in in my ranks um and hopefully they just really shoot up with both because i i love both of their um both of their arms but i again um i love that nick decker pick
2: and i I like zephyr john too another great name as I was mentioning earlier, but just he's, he's say a that. very li- yeah he's a very lively arm. So you know if he, if he can kind of refine the rest of his arsenal, I think he could be. You know maybe he's a guy that you find in like the sixth seventh inning of, of a bullpen down the road. But yeah, definitely some
1: intriguing arms there as well. I was gonna go super deep with mine, Luis Perales, um eighteen year old. Talked about him uh, during the I think it was like the rookie ball below low A episode that we did. Came up throwing 95 with a run on his fastball at age 16 the last time that we saw him. Um, I'm sure he's a ways away. It could go any direction, but I'm just going to shoot for the moon and go super upside with uh, a kid that was throwing that hard at that age and also had a very good curveball. So I'm hoping that he can learn a a third pitch in the next four years and um, be on the edge of the top 20 a year from now. So that's going to be my pick there. I like it. All right. Um, anything else, Eric? Do you want to? You can let everyone know where they can find you. Um, you know, on Twitter and, and your your writing and podcast one more time before we let you go. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Eric
2: Cross 04. All my written work is at FantraxHQ.com, and my two podcasts are the Five Tool Podcast with. You know, over the monster great Jake Devereaux and Jesse Roche and then the Fantrax Toolshed with Chris Clegg like I mentioned earlier and yeah, th- thanks for having me on it was great to come on and, and talk about my, my favorite team, the Boston Red Sox and some exciting
1: prospects so it was, it was a great great time talking with you both thanks for having me on yeah no our, our pleasure and it's, it's great to get a different voice in here and especially as uh really our last episode you know we'll have one more before there are any games but uh, last episode of april and we're gearing up for the minor league season so you were the perfect guest to have on eric we appreciate it um shelly anything that you're working on right now um and where can we find you
0: uh yeah you can find me over at the the, the dynasty guru over at obviously over the monster um and i do have something coming in the pipeline over at picture list um i'm kind of going doing a going deep piece on um nathan Iavaldi. so i'm hoping to get it out by the end of the week um but it might be early next week as well but yeah if you want to just read more about nathan Iavaldi, um i should have something over at picture list um coming up soon
2: i'll be reading it that's for sure i love you yes finally putting it all together
0: yes it's it's so (laughs) awesome it is absolutely awesome what he's doing
1: yeah we got uh two different pitchers that are trying to step up as the ace with uh in chris sale's absence and if if sale can find his way back by july 4th and there's three of them all fighting for that role it would be a beautiful thing so looking forward to reading that um you can find me at bob osgood 15 on twitter i also write at the dynasty guru And, um, yeah, thank you both for joining us today. This was great. And we will talk to you next week.